0: I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today,
1: Chris? Oh, my goodness. I thought I was hosting with Mrs. Doubtfire there for a second. <laughs> or Julia Child for that money.
0: Yeah. No, I'm good. I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing a little bit better than last week. Well, that's good. Bonus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ho- yeah hopefully, bonus, you got bonus. a little bit more rest. So, that's good.
0: Yes. What are we talking about today, sir? Today
1: we're talking about the pros and cons of layering similar instruments. Bum, bum, bum. That's a bit of a mouthful, but I suppose we it should is. mention what we mean when we say that layering.
0: So what? how would you define this, what we're going to talk about today? This particular version of layering similar instruments, we're talking about when a similar instrument is playing the exact same part as another instrument, of the same type, <laughs> crystal <laughs> like, like, clear. It's go off on a brain fartage there. What I mean by that is like, if you're playing a guitar and you have an electric guitar and you use the same electric guitar and you play the same part twice, or if you have a keyboard and you're using some sort of synthesizer sound and then you play the exact same part with the exact same keyboard sound, does that help you? No, that's a con. I'm going along those lines in terms of similar instruments playing similar parts. Right. Okay. So we're not talking about
1: mix layering and frequencies and stuff in that sense. We're talking about actual parts of playing the same thing on similar instruments. Right.
0: Because otherwise it would be arrangement. Yeah.
1: And we'll tackle that down the line perhaps. But today we're talking about similar instruments. So
0: the first thing I'm thinking about... Why would you do that? Why would... Play the same part with the same instrument? Exactly. To give yourself a headache? I don't know. Why would you do it? Why would you do it? Why would I do it? Well, it's
1: to make yeah. up the sound that I want in my head. And right,
0: but... Yeah, so let... You wouldn't use the same guitar and the same part and the same sound to do that. Well, yes and No. Yes and no. Should we tackle the guitars first then? Let, let, let. No, I'm just giving an example of like, it seems kind of silly that I would use the exact same sound with the exact same instrument and then double it. That just doesn't make a lot of sense
1: to me. Well, it's because to me, it's the performance is always going to be slightly different. Is that a pro or a con? Well, that depends on your situation, right? So we're going to try to break this down. Well, you're wrong, and I'll prove it within the next half hour
0: here. (laughs) All right.
1: But let's start with the most common thing that I think about when we're layering. I'm thinking keyboards. I'm thinking synths,
0: that type of a thing. Well, you would being a keyboard player. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, I'm not sure I have balls big enough to call myself a keyboard player, but I do play (laughs) keyboard, yeah. Now, somebody like, C.J. Vanston is a keyboard player. Sure. I own a keyboard. That's about the difference, right? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But here's an example where we might layer things, right? And sometimes even within the same patch, right? So we can have a certain sound that takes care of possibly the low end. Let's say we're dealing with a pad, right? We have the low end of something and we might layer that with another sound that might still hold down that big, beautiful A-flat 13 chord that they're playing, right? But now you have this little sparkly thing laid with another sound just to make it sound bigger. Juicy. Yeah. The sonic juiciness we keep referring to back again. Too. Yeah. But so th- that would be the first thing. Now, if I get the sound that I want, that's a good thing. So that's very firmly in sort of like the pro category, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, another thing that I keep mentioning a lot when we're talking about keyboards and keyboard sound, and especially multi-layered stuff, is that it can be... And then the demo presets. Exactly. Yeah, it can be very hard to use these in a the mix. So you can potentially go too far with these. But if you have certain things where you want, let's say that you have a typical keyboard part and you add maybe a soft bell or something to take you... Firmly back into the late 80s ballad type of a thing, right? (laughs) But that would be a sound that you would want. So then the layering is a good thing. If you sound like the proverbial Vegas casino when you hold down a chord, that might not be useful in so many ways. So that would be a con, I would say, when when you started like Mm -hmm. layers or just overdoing it, really.
0: Do you have a thought on that? In terms of layering keyboards, when I tend to do it, And being that logic is my primary writing tool, Mm -hmm. I will set up a keyboard sound in a folder so that when I'm playing the folder, it actually will trigger multiple sounds at once. Like a track stack. Like a track stack. And I will set up each sound inside that folder to represent a certain space needed in the sound Mm -hmm. so that each sound is contributing to the overall team vibe of the sound and not being the arrogant, stepping all over everything else sound. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I know where you're getting at. Let's say, for example, you have, I'll use a pad again as an example here, but you're holding down a pad Mm -hmm. and it could be just a beautiful filtered saw wave being one of them, right? That's just sort of like the meat and potatoes. And you could have another morphing sound that goes on on top of that that has like a little bit more of a modulation thing here, and maybe mm-hmm. some white noise or whatever. Something else as a third level. But all they make this pleasant mix uh, that, that comes up with the big sound without being overbearing. But now with the track stack you have set up there you can adjust how hot the, the white noise is or tweak them all individually as needed. In this case the sum is greater that
0: we're the sum has made the whole. There you go. That's what I'm thinking right. of. And generally speaking when I do that each piece does its own part rather than multiple pieces doing the same thing all at once and stepping all over each other's toes.
1: Compared to the rest of your mix or just over that sound are you talking now? Over that sound. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you determine um, that? My ears. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, that was easy <laughs> I mean, enough. How else was you determined? No, but I mean, I but mean if you come if You, you could pull up an EQ and look at how the various frequencies of a sound, if you want to look at it via your eyeballs instead of your ears. But essentially, I would layer things to hopefully complement each other, not to overbear one another.
1: Okay. So what you're saying is that if I understand you correctly here, it's like if you have, let's say, just two – Sounds on top of each other, right? To make up mm-hmm. one keyboard patch, you would then yep. possibly low cut one of them up to five hundred or something, just to make room for the other part, so that they're not necessarily building up all over the frequency range.
0: That is a huge possibility. Yes. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Fair enough. But I mean, mm-hmm. the keyboard or the synth thing—it sounds like an obvious example because we tend to do it because we're layering oscillators together in synth. So we take for granted that we're either like stacking things on top of each other. But what you're saying is, and I echo as well, is that you have to be a little careful with how much of the stuff that you're adding on to it, because it might be too many bells and whistles, and all of a sudden you lose the
0: plot because you can't use that anymore. Sure. It also has a lot to do with the arrangement, but we're not really talking arrangement today in that if it's a very sparse arrangement, well... I can fill up a lot more holes by layering a bunch of different scents. Yeah. But if it's a dense arrangement, I need to be very careful about how I fill up space.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Absolutely.
0: So then... Let's move on. Yeah. Are we moving on to guitars now? Yeah, now we're moving on to guitars. What we kind of hinted at at the beginning. Now we're going to really get there. Right,
1: we're going to get there because I'm going to tell you how you're wrong now.
0: (laughs) Okay, thank you very much.
1: Well, coming from a rock world we yes. layer stuff a lot when it comes to guitars. And to me uh-huh. that is still making something huge even if you have the same sound. Not necessarily tweaking settings on the amp or anything, but you just doubling it. Mm-hmm. That will be done and we'll talk about that point in a second here. Imagine like a Rammstein record where it's this giant wall of sound, right? And the guitars are these big, chunky things, right? That's not just one guitar. You have the same part being played multiple times to add to
0: the overall impact. Right. But are you familiar with their recording techniques that you would be able to legitimately say that they use the exact same guitar, the same amp, same settings, and then Uh, track it multiple times and pan it?
1: I'm not necessarily saying anything of the sort because I can't prove that, but but that is a common technique where we do. It doesn't have to be. So I'm just saying that for that kind of sound, but there are tricks that we can do when we are layering. And that's kind of what we're getting to next. I'm just saying that don't be afraid afraid of doing the same thing without changing anything. It's a very viable thing to do. Getting to the layering of the guitars. This is something that I know I did a Tuesday tip on well over a year. Well, we've
0: before. done whole episodes right. on layering
1: guitars, but, but... what you're kind of hinting out there is to either have a different amp and just go left and right with that, that is also very, very effective to do that because you get a little bit
0: more of a separation there. It, well, you're getting a different character and more separation, right. which to me improves the layering of a part. It can. When you're using guitars. Right.
1: It, it can, and that's very valid, but it's not always the case. So that, that's, again, that's why you're wrong. Now, <laughs> but, um, but another frequent thing that we do is If we have, especially like really fuzzed out guitars, Mm -hmm. it can be very easy to lose definition in those performances, right? So layering those with a guitar that is much cleaner in its tone and tucking that in,
0: or even clean for completely
1: clean, yeah, or any version of there that that can add to the hugeness.
0: Just makes that bigger again. So right, you know. We could take this outside the studio for a moment when we're talking about guitars in that regard because a lot of the times in a live concert and you see these guitar players that have these giant stacks of sounds that you think are coming from all these different amps, and generally they could be. And the reality is is that if they've got a lot of different switching going on, it's quite possible quite often that they're layering a distorted amp with a clean amp live just as you would in a studio Could be, yeah. situation. Now, there are guitar players that would poo-poo that and say, hell no, I ain't doing that. It's all going to be crunch, 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 man. Or it's all going to be clean, clean, clean. It really comes down to taste. And for me, I like a variety. And even when I create sounds for live outside the studio, I like to layer different sounds. So I will layer clean with dirty. Yeah, in my live sound, and I will do it in my recorded sound. Now, when I first started out, if we go back to the Stone Age, (laughs) I did use the same guitar with the same amp and the same pedal to layer things and do exactly what Mm -hmm. you're saying. Did it get me a bigger sound? I don't know if it necessarily did. However, I've since learned, for me personally, to layer with different guitars playing through different amps in order to get the splits and the ultra built up sounds and i think that came from just reading a lot of different interviews with guitar players and i think i've mentioned him in the past the first guy that i really heard about doing this to a wide extent zach wild mm. you yeah. know he quadruple tracked that first album he did with Ozzy. i mean it was gigantic sound right yeah, no. It's sort- I have no idea if he used different amps and different guitars, but I'm going to assume that he did.
1: Well, yeah. Again, I think that's an assumption, but either whether that's right or or not, it, it doesn't really matter. But we can certainly get a or a sound with more interest, perhaps. Is it good or by doing that? Character. Yeah, a character in depth. Sonic juiciness. <laughs> there we go. Maybe that's a new drinking game. Every time we say "Sonic juiciness," he has to take yeah. a drink. Yeah, it is easy to go overboard here as well, though. So a con would be the, the of first course. thing is that now you mentioned like Zach Wilde in that that first Aussie record
0: that he did. Yep. Super tight performances, right? Yeah. It, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't single takes. I'm sure he spent a lot of oh, time Oh, sure it was. Not, not for that. of
1: course he he's a tremendous guitar player and, and was back then as yep. well or else you don't get that gig obviously. But so the timing and stuff, I don't know if we're going to say that this is a con, but the performance has to be super tight if you're doing
0: this kind of stuff or else you Right. Otherwise it becomes a giant mess. Yes, exactly. And, and that's not just for guitars. That's That's for, for all really for everything, yeah. General. But
1: if it is a guitar driven track, which presumably it would be if you're working on a bunch of layers like this, it becomes mm-hmm. really, really obvious quickly if you don't do that. Yeah. Now, the slight changes, that could be just your pick attack or anything like that can add to the interest of the character of it. But if your timing is all over the place, it's just a mess. And that kind of goes without saying with anything, but, but that's something that we really have to pay attention to when we're doing these things.
0: Right. Well, and if we're going on a similar path with guitars, we're going to mention kind of the same thing with bass. Yeah. Now, generally, you don't see bass players layering multiple electric basses together. Not that it can't be done. It can. I've done it. I'm sure yeah. Stu Hamm has done But at some point. La- <laughs> <laughs> sure. Not, I wouldn't doubt Tony Franklin's probably done it yeah. too, or Lee Sklar for that matter. I would... Throw out though that most people, if they're gonna layer a bass guitar with another bass type sound, it's gonna be with a bass synth of some sort. And Getty Lee would be a primary example of that. That guy even does it live with his feet in his hands. Oh, all it's at the disgusting, same time. isn't it? Uh, no. Oh,
1: I, I I mean yeah, I remember <laughs> I first saw it. I'm going off on a tangent here, I'm sorry, but I, I was watching a, a Rush live performance, and this was probably I'm guessing recorded late 80s when they were going in much more with, with the Taurus pedals and all this kind of stuff that mm-hmm. he was using live. And he was singing and he's playing a typical Rush bass line and he's playing the Moog
0: Taurus pedals with his feet. And I'm like, oh, that's just too much talent, you know? Well, if you really want to go out there, you need to talk about another bass player, Marco Mendoza. Mm. Yeah, if you're going to go out there in terms of like just the craziness of a bass player you got to throw out marco mendoza because that guy can play four different things all at once it's just ridiculous yeah
1: i think i've only seen him one time live and it was more of a straight up sort
0: of like rock thing but yeah i i have no doubt no i've seen him like just do his little jazz thing at a place that in la called lava lee and it's just it makes you draw hit the floor it's just like you're Get out of here. <laughs> you're too damn wow. Yeah. Well, good for him. <laughs> anyway, we're going way yes. off on a tangent. So it, the idea here with bass guitar and layering it with a bass synth or even just other bass guitars and you're trying to layer things up, unless you're Spinal Tap doing the song Big Bottom, the big thing that can be a real problem here is maxing out the headroom
1: yeah. of your song. Yeah, I think we or, mentioned or that your, last recording. week when we kind of like, you know, we did. taking up all the headroom because the low end is there and, and it's hard enough to get that right. To make it nice and prominent and big and and juicy and
0: all of those beautiful adjectives. But the other thing, too, is that with bass, the big thing in terms of layering that you have to be careful with, a lot less than other instruments that are higher up in the range, is that you have to be careful with the phase alignment of the Mm. sound. Yeah, If you're not careful with that, you could really do some... Remarkable damage to either the sound or the speaker. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I guess the main layering thing I would
1: think about when I'm thinking bass would be one of contrast when you're adding something as a spice for, you know, a synth part that's adding possibly a little bit more grit to a part. Or if you want a part to stand out a little bit more, sure, might double that with the synth bass. Bringing up their big bottom, I think, with Spinal Tap, I don't think there
0: was... Much else going on besides drums and that, right? So <laughs> it was all drums and yeah. bass and <laughs> vocals. Right. And with that, we'll move on to a little segment from our sponsor. And we're back. We're going to start talking about layering vocals. What's up with that, Chris?
1: Well, backing vocals. I think that's the first thing that we think of vocals. Sure, we, we you know, my double or triple track and lead vocals sometimes but backing vocals obviously is a lot more common or used in just about anything that i do at least that has backing vocals in it that it's sung a few more times you don't say oh i do say that's you know again something that we do obviously for impact and that's a, a huge sound whether we're thinking a Big Queen or Def Leppard thing, but or anything by Mutt Lang, right? No, not, he didn't do Queen, <laughs> well, I'm but sure, yeah. there's
0: others that do it, but he's kind of the original. Well, well right that's there. what I'm thinking about,
1: at least with that huge wall of sound. With I guess like Phil Spector would probably be the first one maybe to, to have done this, but yeah, yeah. Again, the same thing goes here, right? Where we're building things up to have a huge impact, but also it can be a tricky one. Unless, and this is dependent on the arrangement again, right, where Mm -hmm. it can be hard to fit all of this in. And it might not be
0: appropriate in all tracks, right? So True. Go ahead. And when that happens in terms of like you've got a massive layer of backing vocals, Mm. say 75 tracks. Right. Just for a weird round number. What is a method when you are layering that many vocal tracks together that you would use to make it work in this regard so that it's a pro rather than a con?
1: As far as like a mix situation, you mean, or from a processing thing? No,
0: from a mix situation.
1: Well, the first thing that I'll assume here, that the timing and pitch and everything is done, right? So that's all the performance is Handed
0: to you on a silver platter. Fantastic.
1: Then I'm going to start submixing. So if there is even if there is a, the same line, but perhaps sung in different harmonies. So there might be like okay. a low or mid or high. I will tend to group those. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then instead of dealing with perhaps 75 vocals, right? Now maybe each subgroup of those has 25, right? So that I'm just dealing with the stereo track of the low harmony and the mids and then the highs. Okay. And here I can also be a little bit more aggressive with uh, compression and things because I kind of right. want...
0: Now you're getting more into the mixing. Right. I was just trying to think of like how you would deal with it in, in terms of that. In the mixing situation. To make it a pro yeah. rather than a con.
1: Well, I think more often than not it is it is a pro because it tends to sound glorious, you know, <laughs> if it's done well, right? The con would be, I think, more that it's... It's one of those combinations where like we have an idea for a track and we want to stack all this stuff, but it's just not appropriate. And then it can be very easy to be too precious with our idea when we come up to that. And admitting like, okay, instead of seventy-five, maybe we should have just had two of each, you know. Sure. So,
0: I guess that stems from thinking, well, is the performance good? And that relates back to any other instrument. If the performance isn't good, then it's gonna just compound the problem of things sounding awful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you mentioned they're being handed on a silver platter, but that's... Right. So in other words, I was
0: implying that everything was beautifully recorded, beautifully sung in time and pitch. Yeah, which it needs to be if you're going to do that, or, or else it's just... <laughs> One moment hope, you know. unless you're doing a chant. I mean, sometimes you get some chant stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing like... Really there,
1: there's a Swedish saying that when someone everybody's doing this, sort of like the 80s yell, we call that like a hockey choir, where it's basically oh. like how everybody's just yelling there's and new pitch and stuff is less important. It's more like a big chat, yeah. like a crowd thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Then it's a different thing. Then you just want it to sound, and then you actually have the ability to just go nuts and throw your voice and do all this kind of stuff just to make
0: it sound like more people. Sure. Now, and speaking of nuts, let's move on to drums.
1: Yeah. Again, super common here, right? I mean, I don't
0: think... I think it's more genre specific to be super common, but sure. Maybe, maybe, but I can... I think it's more common now today in a lot more genres than it used to be. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, again, was it last week when we talked about, you know, the difference between like, yeah, it was last week we talked about uh, kick drums. So, like, a kick, kick yeah. yeah. So, there's that, of course, here, right? If you're doing that jazz trio, are you going to like add a lot of samples to the kick and the snare? Probably not because it's just going to okay. sound goofy. But the layering of <laughs> drums is obviously like an important one, right? To have
0: the the impact that we expect from a lot of. Let's say pop and rock and metal these days, if you're talking that, or even country.
1: Yeah, because same thing there, right? I mean, with, you know, you want that snare to really hit and crack through. And there's a lot of things that we can do to layer that. So that kind of goes into not just a production thing, but I think when we're layering, again, kind of throw this back to the, the keyboard thing that we started with here, that we're sculpting a sound. So let's say that you're mm-hmm. dealing with just samples to build your groove or your beat, right? You might have. As
0: you would in hip hop or anything. Right. Yeah. You
1: might have a kick that's just taking care of the sub. You mm-hmm. might have another sample that is more like the meat, let's say like 100 and up. And mm-hmm. then you might have another that just takes care of the initial transient, that would just be like a click. So, sure. so those three samples would make up your kick as a whole. Uh And the same thing would obviously go for snare or any other kit piece that you're dealing with. So we're sculpting a sound here. What would be a con of layering drums? I would say using the wrong samples and just throwing stuff on there. And, Uh you know, if you get, I really like this sub and I really like this sub. Oh, I know. Let's use them both. You know, um,
0: <laughs> let's blow up that. So yeah, you, or you, if the phase is wrong, you're going to completely take it. Yeah, out. there's
1: all of that. And I think having a plan when you do this, and this, of course, goes with all the other instruments as well, but you have to have a plan of why you're layering something. What are we trying to accomplish here? Well,
0: it goes back to your original concept there of like to get the sound that you actually want. Exactly sometimes that requires layering similar instruments
1: yeah with drums particularly i think when we choose samples let's say go back to that kick sample again Mm -hmm. the thing that you might need to have a more impact of that might be that sort of beater click that initial transient and that could be a really really ugly sample just by itself but when you're layering it on top of the sub and sort of like the meat of the kick and the punch right it does its job. So it has a big function in there, but the whole product, again, what's the saying? It's better than the sum of the parts, right? So we have to pay attention to that. So choosing the wrong samples would be a a huge con and adding too many
0: of them. That's what I would think. What about you though? What what do you think what we have to think about when we do that? Whether or not anything you're layering in percussion starts flamming too hard. Yes. Oh, that's a big That's something that drives me nuts oh. unless it's two different drummers playing at the same time on two different kits. Then it's not so nutty. But if you've got things that are either layering with samples or you're running and a live drummer with actual loops or something, it can get real messy as well from all the flamming that can occur if you're not paying attention to timing. Yeah. And that kind of stuff tends to drive me batty. Yeah,
1: there's another expression. So let's wind this up. Well,
0: in terms of like just kind of wrapping a bow on it, what would you say? Well, I
1: just want to finish up on what, what you just said. That there's a saying that when you have when you're layering things, it we're having sounds like two drummers at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And okay. that's a really important part with all of these things, but especially sort of like live instruments, guitars and bass, and, and certainly drums, where it's there's a big difference between playing together as, to, as opposed to just playing at the same time. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's that flaming, and now you're just taken away from it. So, again, the roundup. Big thing is we layer stuff to get the sound that we want. Not just for the sake of layer. Not just for the sake of learning. Know, know why you do something, right? And also something to be aware of. When we're doing all of this stuff, it's like very easy to get precious with your ideas, right? Ego. Yeah. So what do we always say? Yeah. Oh, well, I thought of this, but yeah, but it doesn't work. So you have to let that go, Chris. That, that, that click <laughs> sample that you brought in—it's not going to work. It's not needed here. Let it go. Again, same thing here. Whether that's with guitars, oh, I doubled up this with an acoustic guitar part to hopefully add more impact. Yeah, but now you're. Death metal track sounds like a country track, so the acoustic guitar has to go. Right? <laughs> so don't be precious with your ideas, but uh, I can that, that's kind of like my, my take on it anyway. So I don't know if you want to add anything
0: to that, but that's kind of how I feel. Nah, about it. I'll roll with what you've just said. I don't think I need to add to that. So let's move on to our Friday finds. What have you got for us this time, Chris? Well, last week we
1: – were we – We were treated to a um, bunch of free downloads from BrainWorks, Mm. and included in that was the BrainWorks black box, which is sort of like an analog distortion unit, and Mm. you know how I feel about distortion units when they do a job really well, which this does. So I've always been really high on Decapitator, and I still am, but I've had a week of playing with this, and... I really like it. I really like the black box. And now I have another tool in my toolbox. I don't have to lean on Yeehaw! the capitator. So I'm really happy about that. So black box is my find of the week. this week. What about you? What do you got for us, Jody?
0: I'm going something hardware related Ooh, for guitar players. Nice. Yes, it is a new pedal from JHS Pedals. You know what? amazing pedal maker that has a wide variety of pedals he's got a new one that goes in his 99 dollar line called screamer cool and screamer is based off of the old ibanez tube screamer it is an overdrive pedal and it's actually kind of a new version of the jhs modded tube screamer circuit He's apparently revoiced it so it's a little bit more versatile. Interesting, A little more balanced as a Tube Screamer, but it's just called Screamer. And instead of being green, this one's white. Oh, that can't be right. <laughs> that's racist, isn't it?
1: <laughs> no, that's, that's just wrong. It's supposed to be green. Will it sound right, right
0: if it's white? Probably not. I have no idea. Maybe it will affect the sound being white instead of green. Anyway, (laughs) The Screamer by JHS. It is the new thing that I'm looking at. Awesome. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so, will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at Inside the Recording Studio with the word layering, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic Or a suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say, See see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thank you for listening, everybody.